Do you need a landscaping job tackled? Keen Landscaping is a family-owned and operated full-service landscaping company based in Dallas, Texas. Anything from property restoration and tree pruning or removal to landscape design, construction, and installation, Keen covers it all. They're also the official landscape company of the Dallas Stars. Learn more at KeenLandscaping.com. Again, that's K-E-A-N-E, landscaping.com. Welcome back to Parker's MMA Show. In this week's episode, I'm having my good buddy on, Billy Naden. We're going to talk all things MMA. Crazy week last week. We had Conor McGregor booked to fight Cowboy Cerrone. Khabib versus Tony gets booked. And then we've got UFC DC this weekend. You got Overeem taking on Rosenstruck. And then next week, we've got the gigantic UFC 245. So we got a lot to talk about. Let's get into it. Welcome to Parker's MMA Show. If you want to learn about all things going down in the fight world, you've come to the right place. Each episode, your host, Parker Keene, will take a deeper dive into the always entertaining world of sanctioned fist fighting. Now here's your host, Parker Keene. Before we get started, I'd really appreciate it if everyone would take a look down in the show notes and give me a like, subscription, share it with your friends. So, all right, we're ready to go. All right. Let's go, baby. You got the Sugar Sean O'Malley shirt on. That's my guy. I love that, dude. <laughs> the Sugar Show. What's been going on? Nothing, man. School's been fucking killing me. I haven't even been able to like train that much. But last finals today, so like Monday, I'm going hard in the gym. I'm just I'm going to go in there and try and kill somebody. <laughs> You're getting back to it? Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> well, that's awesome. All right, well, this is my buddy Billy, and we are going to dive into... All kinds of stuff this week. We had a big week ahead of us. So let's freaking get into it. You ready to roll? Let's do it. Let's do it, man. All right. So I want to get rolling with the Conor McGregor versus Cowboy. What are your early thoughts on that? And why do you think that it got booked at 170? I know there was a lot of controversy about that. A lot of people talking about that. Yeah, it's funny to me. I'm actually all for this. Like when you have two guys like Conor and Cowboy who are the same size, who basically have a gentleman's agreement that for a non-title fight, we're not going to deplete our bodies and cut weight. Like I'm all for that. So I'm totally cool with it happening at 170. This was the fight I wanted for Connor because I think this is winnable for him, but also not someone who's a complete walkover. And then for Cerrone, it's a payday. It's, it's something where you put in this body of work over your career. You, you fought everybody, you fought anyone, anytime, anywhere, and now you're really getting the payoff. So I'm all for this fight. I think it's going to be a great fight. I think the UFC is is setting themselves up for a great first quarter. So I, re- I really love it from from all angles, honestly. And I, I don't understand the controversy, to be honest. I think it's a lot of people whining about. Well, it's, that- I mean, it's the best fight that Connor could take. I mean, who's who's he going to step in there against Justin Gaethje after not fighting in what three years in the UFC or not getting a win in three years? I mean. For the UFC, Connor, Cowboy, I think it's a win-win everywhere. Because like you say, it's a massive payday for Cowboy, who is the biggest company man probably of all time. And then for Connor, I mean, I think if he gets a win against Cowboy, he can fight the top guys at 170. He can fight the top guys at 155. I think he's just got a shitload of options. Yeah, I think my one caveat is like I never want to see Connor fight 
the three wrestlers at the top of 170. Like, I never want to see Usman, Covington, yeah, Usman, yeah. Covington, Woodley. I, I have no interest in that at all. And I think it's a nightmare for Connor. You think he's setting up if he gets a win against Cowboy? What do you think's next? I think he wants Masvidal. Yeah, well, Masvidal or Diaz, right? Maybe. I, I think Diaz will take something else, honestly. Do you think Diaz would ever fight at 155 again, or do you think he'll stay no, up at 170? No, he's too big. He's too big yeah. now, and he doesn't want to cut the weight, and I don't blame him. So I really think this is about Jorge Masvidal. I think he's sick of hearing Jorge Masvidal talk smack about him. I think he's sick of all the shine Masvidal's getting on ESPN, and I think he's trying to take absolutely everything from him. So I really think this is about the BMF belt and trying to get a shot at Masvidal. Yeah, can you imagine how big that'll be <laughs> if he can get past Cowboy and then fight Masvidal, what, sometime in March or something like that? I think I think what they'd end up doing is if Connor can beat Cowboy, I think they end up booking Connor versus Masvidal for that International Fight Week pay-per-view. As a headliner? As a headliner. What do you call it, the BMF belt number two? I guess. I mean, the UFC is, is moving away from everyone needs to like earn their shot thing, in my opinion. You know, they're finally like booking fun, fan-friendly fights. So, And I don't think Masvidal has any interest at the title fight. Like, if you're Masvidal, why would you want to go fight these, like, not that popular dudes who are just going to, like, hug you the entire fight? I mean, it's effective. I love wrestling. I'm a huge wrestling fan. But, like, at the end of the day, like, in a mixed martial arts fight, that's not the exciting thing. And it's certainly not the exciting thing for the general population. Why would you go fight those guys? That's all they're going to do. You could take fights that'll make you more money for less headache. Right. No, I, I think that's. I think that's probably the most logical next fights for Connor. If he can get past Cowboy, which is a very winnable fight, I think. I mean, to me, that's the best matchup that the UFC could have brought to him at 155 or 170. Yeah, I'm all for this. I think this is about as exciting a fight you can make as a non-title matchup in the UFC. Yeah, yeah. outside of Nate versus Jorge. I mean, that was fucking awesome. That was awesome. Yeah, that, that was very awesome. So. um what do you think? What are your early thoughts on that matchup, Connor versus Cowboy? I think this is actually kind of a nightmare for Cowboy. Like he's a he's a slow starter. He's gotten outboxed in his last two fights. You know, it's not like Tony and Justin Gaethje came out and were kicking him. Like it was boxing, really, that that lost him those fights. And so I'm worried about Connor, who's someone who's a notoriously fast starter, who's a great counter puncher coming in there and just boxing up Cowboy early and, and getting him out of there. And I also think at 36 with as many fights as Cowboy's had, especially at a high level, like it doesn't matter who you are, your chin starts to go at some point. And I'm, I'm worried we're getting to that point. But at the same time, I mean, if you're Cowboy and you can kind of keep Connor at kicking range, Connor's used to being the physically bigger man in there against most of his opponents. So if you could keep him at kicking range, you know, maybe you could pull off something where you're able to kind of get in your groove and then you end it with a head kick in classic cowboy fashion. But I, I see I see Connor taking this one probably in the second round by knockout. Second round knockout. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was kind of thinking. And Cowboy too, I mean, traditionally struggled against Southpaws, right? Like RDA, Benson Henderson, Pettis, Darren Till, Nate Diaz, and he struggles on the big stage. 
He seems like he can beat everyone. I mean, even even against Gaethje, like the knockout came when Gaethje switched to southpaw and then cracked him with that left. So, you know, Gaethje's obviously an orthodox fighter naturally, but I, I completely agree with that analysis that if you switch to lefty, which is obviously that's Connor's game, you Cowboy's footwork kind of goes out the window, which is funny to me for someone who has, I think, some of the best footwork in in all of MMA. Right. And I mean, just traditionally, when he gets to this big stage, he usually chokes or doesn't deliver. I mean, he doesn't show up to be the the cowboy that you see just like soaring through the rankings, you know, from the number five to ten fighter when he's fighting those guys. When he gets in the top two or three, that's when he struggles. Yeah, for sure. And if you look at all those guys, like they're all I mean, with the exception, of maybe Benson Henderson. But at the time, Benson Henderson was the best lightweight on the planet. But you know, I think all these guys are great boxers. And so like, I'm starting to think like, you get a southpaw up there who's who's a really good boxer. I just don't think Cowboy's skill set matches up well. Well, it's also the mental thing. I'm going to be interested to see how McGregor handles the lead up to the fight. Because guys that have gotten in Cowboy's head, he tends to just shut down. Like when he fights angry, or you're in his head. I mean, he just he doesn't show up as the same fighter. And you saw that with you know, Nate Diaz, when Nate Diaz flipped off his cowboy hat and Nate Diaz came in there and blew the doors off a cowboy. So you, you've seen that a couple times. And I'll be made a note here. I'd be kind of interested to see how McGregor plays this one with all the shit that, you know, he's done in 2019. Does he come back and be respectful or is it same old McGregor where he's talking shit the whole time and saying all kinds of crazy shit? I'm going to be interested to see the lead up to the fight because at, at the moment it's been pretty respectful. There's not been a lot of back and forth or anything like that the flip side of that in my opinion is it seems like the the at least like the main quote-unquote mainstream mma media is now not afraid to call out the conor mcgregor legal challenges and so i'm wondering like if we get in these press conferences where in the past it's kind of been a coronation for conor um when he gets up there we get in these press conferences and, and you have your your kind of big names like your Ariels and your John Morgans and, you know, people who work for big outlets. If they're asking Connor about sexual assaults and punching old men and, you know, alleged drug habits and, you know, all this kind of controversy that's swirling about McGregor right now. I mean, does that get in his head? Because, you know, a guy who's kind of built his brand as like, I'm loyal to my team. I'm a family man, but I'm also the biggest badass on the planet. And like all of a sudden, like that whole, you know, good boy outside the cage image just kind of come crashing down. I mean, how does that affect Connor? Because Cowboy's not dealing with that same outside the cage drama. And so he could just focus on his camp, whereas Connor's got a million other things that are going to come at him before this fight. Well, and imagine the stress over McGregor right now. I mean, this is a lot of pressure. This is a huge spot. If he goes in there and gets head kick KO'd by Cowboy or gets taken down, gets submitted, I mean, where does he go from there? I think he's done. I, like, I, I, th- I would argue that this is the biggest pressure fight of Connor's career, with the only exception maybe being the Brandau fight in Dublin because you have to win your homecoming fight, and he wasn't the star he is today. But... I just think like in terms of like we're at a crossroads of the McGregor career, like 
Nobody expected him to beat Mendez. Nobody expected him to beat Aldo. Nobody expected him to beat Eddie. Nobody expected him to beat Floyd or Khabib. And like now this is a fight where he's not just expected to win. He has to win to get back in the good graces of the MMA community. And what about the Irish? I think the Irish community has kind of abandoned him a little bit over everything that's happened. I completely agree. And and with Bellator basically moving in and saying, we're going to own Ireland. I mean, McGregor, I think, is the only Irish fighter on the UFC roster right now. And so I, I think the, the country, from a sporting perspective, has moved on. And, like, he's got the pressure to, to win them back. And I just think, like, that's got to be weighing on him at some level. I think it would weigh on anyone, no matter how mentally strong you are. Um, and it's just a matter of, like, can he show up and look like the old Connor again? Yeah, I'm going to be interested to see how that all plays out because the buzz I get, you know, from my family and stuff that lives over there is, you know, the Irish people are just kind of over him. You know, he's got all these sexual allegations lingering, the punching the old man, the breaking the phones, the thing with the uh, Irish mafia a year or so ago. I mean, I, I don't know. I'll be interested to see what the turnout is in Vegas. If it's the same old, you know, swarms of Irish flooding the street, going crazy. Yeah. Because I don't know, I just get I get the feeling that they've kind of moved on from him, like you said, with you know huge stars like James Gallagher coming up and Bellator and the other guys from S uh, from John Cavanaugh's gym. So I, I don't know that that'll be that'll be interesting to see how that how that all goes. Yeah, I, I like you know I'm encouraged by the fact that he's posting photos of like him training in the gi, you know him back with the headgear on, dripping in sweat. Like it seems like I mean it seems to me that. Uh, you know, a long, somewhere along the point, maybe it was when the hand injury happened this summer, when it kind of clicked for him that he had lost his way a little bit. And the thing that made him the best fighter in the world, had kind of gotten away from him. And I, I just wonder, like, I mean, we've seen guys lose their way and then come back to it in this sport. It definitely happens. And that win over Eddie Alvarez is still, in my mind, the best single night MMA performance I've ever seen. When you think about the pressure that was on. Oh, my God. I mean, yes. And just he that's one of the best. Like you said, I think that's one of the best single performances I've ever seen. I mean, just his precision is countering. It it was just it was fucking amazing to do that to Eddie Alvarez. Who beats up Eddie Alvarez? Eddie Alvarez like that. Yeah. Anybody like he loses fights sometimes, but not like that. Not where he can't land a punch. He looks like a complete amateur out there. I mean, McGregor really dismantled him. But the the question for me is like, is that guy still around? Is that guy still in there? Or is it this completely different Connor after the Floyd fight? Because against Khabib, I mean, and he fought Khabib, in my opinion, better than anyone has ever fought Khabib. So that's, you know, credit to him. But at the same time, like the timing looked off. The motivation, but it wasn't. It wasn't the offensive McGregor. No, it was a defensive McGregor that was trying to not get taken down and trying to wear Khabib out. And that's not how he rose to power. He he was always the guy leading the fight. Um, you know, putting the pace on you, countering, being aggressive, and that wasn't him. He was like a defensive shell of himself, and that that's what I think was the most disappointing thing about that fight. Yes, he put on a decent performance, but. He didn't fight his fight. He tried to fight Khabib's fight. Yeah. And the other thing is, is like Connor's best advantage has always been he makes these guys so rattled and so nervous that they 
throw wild shots against him. And then that, that left side of your face is wide open for that big overhand. And like, he couldn't get Khabib to that point. And like, Cowboy is one of the most composed fighters in the UFC, but he's a slow starter. So can Connor come out and do like, you know, kind of like the Seaver fight or the Brandau fight or the Marcus Brimage fight where he comes out firing and just puts it on this guy? If he can do that, then I think Cowboy's in real trouble. Well, I think he'll want to after that Khabib performance because I think that eats at him the way he fought. You know, he didn't fight like himself. And I, right. I, you know, so yeah, that'll be interesting. So, all right. So you're going second round KO McGregor. I am. That's my, my official pick. Yeah. That's actually kind of what I was thinking too. I mean, late first, second round finish, big left hand, I think. And to be clear, it's out of no, no love lost for Cowboy Cerrone. I absolutely love that guy. I just think, I think we're getting to the end of the road. What are what are Cowboys? What's his best path to victory? You think? So we've never really seen McGregor against a kicker like Cowboy. Like the best kicker he fought is Jose Aldo, obviously, and we know how that ended. But Max Holloway's kind of a kicker. But you know, when they fought, like Connor actually took Max down. I think. I mean that that was a twenty year old Max Holloway, though, right? Yeah, it's like a completely different yeah. fighter. Yeah. Um. So I, I just think like if if you know legs are longer than arms, basic biology here. Um, I think if if Cowboy could keep him at kicking range and and really just kind of kick that oblique kick that people love so much, where you're kicking in the knee and really like wearing Connor's lead leg out, forcing him to switch stances, keeping him out of the range of that overhand, so he can't like Connor loves to kind of paw with that lead hand to measure distance. And then come over the top with the the uh, the overhand, and I think if if Cowboy can keep him at kicking range, Connor can't really find his his range for that knockout blow, and like then Cowboy really can start to do some damage to the body, to the legs, and and really wear McGregor out because we all know the Connor cardio issues are well documented. Well, I, I, I think that's what Cowboy's got to do. I think he's got to drag him into the third or fourth round, you know, maybe try to get him up against the fence and clinch scenarios and beat him down and wear him down. And then I'd be interested to see if he tries to take him down. Cause I mean, Cowboy on the ground is dangerous. You've, you've seen that, you know, throughout his whole career. Um, so yeah, that'd be interesting. But I, I just think on this biggest stage, I think, this is a, like we said. This is a make or break for McGregor. I think he's going to come out and he's going to be guns a blazing and look for that knockout. I mean, that's that's the bottom line. And the reality is, if he can do that, I mean, he is he's going to be on top of the world again. Even with all the controversy and everything, if he comes in there and just has that highlight reel knockout against Donald Cerrone, someone who's you know got the most wins in UFC history, most finishes in UFC history. That's how they're going to sell it. They're going to say, you know, Cowboy or McGregor beat that guy. And then after that, it's just huge, huge fight. So um, last thing on the, on the McGregor thing, how do you think this pay-per-view will do um, in regards to 2020? I mean, you think that'll be probably one of the top two or three pay-per-views? Yeah. Uh, so it's interesting to me. So number one, you got to factor in ESPN plus, right? When you put anything behind a paywall like that, I think, you know, you're going to drag your pay-per-view numbers down. 
Um, in terms of where it'll rank it, as far as um, like buys for the year, I think it'll be interesting to see because like, like you said, if McGregor wins this and fights either one or two more times, that next fight is is going to be infinitely bigger, in my opinion. Yeah, that, that's kind of what I was thinking. Or yeah. Masvidal or whatever. Um, you know, so I you, think... If you, if you look at the um, the top buy rates in UFC history, I got that pulled up. It's one, two, three, four, five, six. Out of the top six fights, McGregor's got one, two, three, four, five of them. And that's unbelievable. <laughs> so he's just the, the pay-per-view just monster. But I, I think you're right. I think... I think this cowboy one will be decent, and then it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, you know, if if he can put the cowboy win together, then he can get past Masvidal somehow, which is going to be a tall, tall order. Can you imagine the numbers on a rematch with Khabib or Nate Diaz? I mean, those would be gigantic. Yeah, I, I mean, it, Connor is literally one or two wins away from being right back at the top of the world, as long as he his legal troubles kind of subside, you know, it, hard to be a, uh, hard to be a pay-per-view superstar if you're serving prison time in Ireland. Right. What do you think about GSP coming back for a possible huge super fight? I think there is a literal 0% chance. I think George is you don't think so? done. I, I think, you know, he keeps his name in the news. I think it's smart. I think he's got a few businesses here with Paras with their like massage gun and, um, doing different like advertisements on, on social media. But right. I think the, uh, in the aftermath of, of him, you know, giving up the title, I think he asked for the Khabib fight and the UFC said no. And then he was basically like, okay, then I'm retired. And that was it. I don't know. I, I, I don't know why the UFC wouldn't make that fight at 165 and start that division. I mean, to me, that, that is a huge, huge, pay-per-view event i mean you could have khabib fight him at 165 or if mcgregor gets a win you could have a huge super fight with him and mcgregor like how much money would that do and it would launch that 165 division which a shitload of guys could fight in i don't get it because i like i think it's it's clear the vast majority of the male population is between 155 and 175 so why wouldn't you have three weight classes there it's an extra belt an extra set of top 15 rankings because what do we complain about all the time as MMA fans that all these lightweights and welterweights like kind of get lost in in the mess here because there's so many cards there's so many fighters you know like you think of somebody like Vincente Luque right who it's like guy won like what nine fights in a row in the UFC like if there's a 165 pound division now you could put that guy on main cards and everyone's talking about a ranked matchup rather than like how do we get this guy some respect? Well, there's just so many tweeners like, you know, Kevin Lee, Nate Diaz. Um, you know, Vicente Luque is a great one. Uh, Mike Perry. Yeah. He could have some fun fights at 165. Pettis. Yeah, Pettis. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I, I'd like to see that done. I, I just, I don't, I think the more fights, the better. I mean, you've seen they basically have a fight every weekend. It's not like they're suffering. I I just think more title belts are, are great, but all right, so um, yeah, so that's last thoughts on McGregor and Cowboy before we move on. That's it for me. I'm, you know, I think I'm excited for it. I think it's going to be a a fun fight, and I think uh, you know, for all the people who 
like are complaining about the weight and complaining about, you know, basically McGregor getting preferential treatment. The, the guy's the biggest star in the sport still. You ask any non-MMA fan on the street who they know, he's probably the only guy. And just enjoy it. Just have some fun. And, and don't be uh, so stodgy about having to stick 100% to rankings and weight classes. Yeah, I, I, I agree with what you said earlier. I think they're going to start getting away from that more and more, especially with the stars they have right now and just making gigantic mega fights. Why, why wouldn't they? They're delivering what the fans want. So, all right, uh, moving on. So Tony and Khabib got booked. We'll talk, uh, let's talk kind of briefly about this, but this is the fifth attempt to book this fight. Um, kind of early, early thoughts on this. Um, I, I love this fight. I think it's the best fight you can make in MMA. I, you know, it's a fight that I've wanted more than any other fight since about 2016. And here we are almost in 2020. That being said, I uh, I think Tony is is getting old for his style. I think Tony's style is so athletic, so movement intensive. Um, it's so kind of wild and unpredictable, and that's what makes him a great fighter. But I I worry that he's slowing down a bit while Khabib is kind of shoring up the weaknesses in his game. So. Uh, I worry that this is not as good a fight as it would have been maybe in Brooklyn two years ago. But um, at the same time, like, it's absolutely the fight to make. They're the two best guys in the best division. They're top 10 pound-for-pound guys in the sport. In my I think they both got 12 fights in a row at lightweight. Yeah. I mean, that that is just incredible. It's unbelievable. To be able to, yeah, to, be able to keep that rolling at lightweight, it's the toughest division in the world. Um, it's unbelievable. I, why, why do you say you think Tony's slowing down just because he's getting older? Are you worried about injuries or what? You know, he's 34. He's been injured. He has these wild training methods that we know about. And, you know, I thought he looked unbelievable against Cowboy, but I also think like we talked about in the previous segment, like there's kind of levels to this game and, and Cowboy seems to be like one level below elite fighter or champion level fighter. And I just thought he looked kind of vulnerable against Pettis. Uh, in well, he's very hittable, right? Yeah. I mean, he's been dropped in a lot of fights. He got dropped in the Pettis fight. He got dropped. Um, where are the other fights he got dropped? Lando Venata, Michael Johnson, comes to mind, who dropped him. And Michael Johnson knocked him out. Was the last person to beat him, right? Uh, yeah, Michael Johnson beat him. He got mounted in the first round of the Kevin Lee fight, the interim title fight. So. I just I'm worried because I, I to me Khabib looks so unbeatable right now. Like I thought Dustin would come in and be competitive. Dustin basically got one punch and one good guillotine attempt, and then got finished by Khabib. Um, I I think out of anyone that Khabib has fought, Tony has the most ways to win. I'll say that. That's very you fair, know, I, and I think the the length and the reach will be a factor. Um, cause Tony uses his, his body very well. Um, and is like good at his athletic, you know, the way he, he moves is like really suited to someone long like that. But I just, I, I don't, I don't think that Khabib can finish him. What do you, I think Khabib's only way for way to victory is a decision. Do you agree? Or you think he could finish him? 
Yeah, probably. Because, like, I don't see Tony, I don't see Khabib taking Tony's back. I kind of see it where it's like Khabib is, you know, standing above him, raining down punches from the guard, and Tony's trying to up kick and throw elbows, and Khabib's really the only one landing shots. I don't think Khabib can fight Tony like he fought McGregor or Poirier because he's going to get cut up. And it's going to be, I mean, the fight's in Brooklyn. You saw what happened with Nate Diaz. True. If it gets to the fourth or fifth round and Khabib's face is a bloody mess, even if he's dominating the fight, I'd be worried about something like that, getting stopped for a cut. or, I mean, because you look at Tony's last six or seven opponents, every one of them leaves their cut up, busted like Hamburger up. meat. I mean, yeah, there's just something about his elbows and the way angles he hits you with. It's he's just the bottom line. He's gonna slice you up, and I think he would invite Khabib to take him down and fight off his back. I think he's gonna be very aggressive on the submissions. The elbows will be flying, and I don't think it's a situation where Khabib can just sit on top of him and control him, you know, like he's done to his past three or four fights. I, I don't know. I'm very interested about this fight. Um, this this is also the fight that I've been looking forward to the most out of probably any fight that you could make this year. I mean, this is going to be awesome. This is like the hot hardcore, just like wet dream fight. Yeah. The other thing I think about Tony is Khabib's kind of shown that he is a little vulnerable to those front joke front chokes. So um, guillotines, darces, and anacondas. And Tony is the best at lightweight at those types of chokes, in my opinion. So like if Tony if Tony got Khabib in that in that guillotine that Poirier got him in, he finishes that fight. I think so too. And the other thing is is like I know they're obviously not the same fighter, but a couple weeks ago in Moscow, like we saw Abu Bakar uh Nurmagomedov, Khabib's cousin. That guy like went out to a very basic triangle um and really couldn't get out of it. And so I wonder if Tony's, I mean, obviously Khabib and his cousin both trained by, you know, Papa Nurmagomedov and then now at AKA, I wonder if Tony's watching that and thinking like, hey, maybe I could catch this guy in a triangle because like, you know, the Eddie Bravo rubber guard system, I mean, these guys are wizards with their legs with submissions. So, well, and then Tony's length too. I think he's just got, you know, the length in his arms, he can just put the chokes on tighter. And I think he kind of surprises some people because, I mean, once he gets you in the triangle, in a Dars, I mean, he's finishing that that choke. Yeah, I mean, I, maybe I'm excited about it again. Now, I think now that we're talking about it, I'm like, oh, you know what? There is a lot of paths to victory for Tony. So, I mean, the way I see it, Tony could knock him out. Tony could get a stoppage win by cuts and Tony could submit him. Tony's got three ways to win. He He's got cardio for days. He doesn't gas. So he's going to be coming. I think he's going to be more aggressive. You know, I think he's going to be one of the first people to fight Khabib with kind of a more aggressive style. I mean, you know, coming forward on the feet and then fighting off his back where everyone else tries to do this defensive strategy basically to avoid getting taken down and avoid getting controlled. So I'm I'm fucking pumped about that fight. I think that's going to be the fight of the year. And I I could also see that being a trilogy fight. I just wonder if either of those guys fights long enough for it to be a trilogy fight. Like, I, I've i thought for a long time, like, once Khabib finally loses, and we both know nobody comes out of this sport without a loss, like, I, I just don't see Khabib taking more than one or two fights after he loses for the first time. I think if he loses to Tony, he'll 
he'll have a fire reignited in him and he'll come back for that rematch. But I, I don't really see any signs of Tony slowing down. I think he's a guy, like you said, I mean, he fights so weird. I could see him fighting to 38, 39, you know, three, four more good years. I mean, I don't know. He He's just, I'll never sleep on Tony Ferguson. That guy is, he's like the fucking Terminator. Hard guy to get a read on too. Like, you know. He's a w- weird, weird guy. His interviews are some of the craziest shit. If you thought... Nick Diaz's interview was weird. Listen to a Tony Ferguson interview. Well, my favorite quote about Tony <laughs> Ferguson interviews is Chael Sonnen said, um, five minutes into Tony interview, this guy might be on drugs. 20 minutes into Tony interview, this might, guy might have a perfect IQ. Like, that's exactly <laughs> how I feel about Tony Ferguson, where it's like, yeah, I can't tell if he's absolutely insane or just more right than any of us, but I'm here for it. I'm intrigued. I love watching the guy fight. And I'm excited for this one. Yeah. All right. We'll um, we'll dive into that when it gets a little closer. But what did you think about them booking it so far out? I mean, it's almost, what's it, four months out? I wonder if, so Khabib's kind of talked about how he wants to do like fight in Africa for charity. He wants to fight in Moscow. He had the fight in Abu Dhabi. You know, doesn't want to fight in Las Vegas, blah, 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 blah. So I wonder if the UFC kind of like cut some deal with him, like, please just fight in the U.S. for us again and we'll like book it ahead of time with everything that you want. And then I also wonder if part of it is like Dana's just sick of answering questions about when are you going to book that fight? So it was the obvious fight to book. And so he just put it put it on the calendar as soon as possible. Well, and then I think also with McGregor being booked. If that fight wasn't booked, he could have got on the mic after a win against Cowboy and called out either one of those guys. So I think that kind of cuts all the gray area out of that situation. All right, so we'll um, we'll get back into that when that gets closer. Um, let me see. Next, you want to talk about um, BMF belts a little bit? Sure, let's do Just, it. I want to hear your thoughts. I didn't didn't hear from you after that. So, what were your thoughts of the whole? situation the whole fight everything surrounding it absolutely loved all of it loved getting the rock involved loved all the espn work that masvidal did Loved that nate diaz was kind of like he would pop up every once in a while he did that exclusive with with ariel but it was like nate diaz almost like let his own name carry it for him which i thought was the absolute best play um the fight itself actually went kind of how i thought it would go i thought uh, Jorge was going to absolutely piece up Nate Diaz. I think this is how good did I mean? How good did he look? He just looked unbelievable. This Jorge Masvidal. I mean, I know he's been around a while. We've been watching him a while. You know, I remember going to UFC 211 and watching, you know, Damian Maya do the back to school impression and and be the human backpack for five right. rounds. Um, but like, whatever happened on that reality TV show and whatever epiphany Masvidal had about like killer instinct and finishing guys and just figuring out a way to like put all his tools together. Finally. I mean, we've never seen him like this. I mean, he was pinpoint accurate. Oh, every single tool was on display. Nate couldn't strike with him. Nate couldn't grapple with him. You could tell that Jorge was hurting Nate. I mean that this guy to me is, I know he has no interest in the welterweight belt, but like 
it's hard for me to watch that guy and not think he's the best welterweight on the planet. No, I agree. I mean, he, I was shocked by his power and just how vicious he is. How vicious, how accurate. And it's he's a scary dude right now. I For McGregor, I, I don't know why you would want to take that fight. I know it's a huge, huge money payday if he gets past Connor. I mean, Cowboy, but that's a dangerous fight. That's a fight he could get, I mean, finished viciously finished at the top of a huge pay-per-view i mean that's what makes connor connor right like that's why he's taking yeah. it. like he's looking at that and he's like that guy is the most difficult challenge for me you also have to think for connor i mean he's never had a camp at 170 right a full camp right so i'll be interested interested to see how he looks maybe that's his weight class i mean who knows yeah i i mean i still think he's best at 55 55, yeah. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what he looks like. I guess, I don't know if you would consider it a full camp necessarily, but, like, he did have, it wasn't short notice, the Nate Diaz rematch, and that was at The 70. Nate Diaz too. Yeah, that was at 70, wasn't it? Yeah, so yeah, we'll see. But I, I think Masvidal just looks, I mean, I'm happy they stopped that fight. Like there was a lot of controversy about the Nate Diaz stoppage. Like Jorge yeah. Masvidal was hurting that man badly. He was not gassing. Like this whole idea of like, oh, Nate was going to come on in the later rounds. Like, well, but so is so is Jorge. I mean, Jorge showed no signs to me of slowing down, not one bit. So yeah, I, I had no problem with that stoppage. Obviously, it sucked in the moment, but. You know, looking back at it when I rewatched that fight, and that wasn't a competitive fight. That was three rounds to nothing for Masvidal. I thought. I thought, and I thought round two was a ten eight. I like I. It was not at all close. Like not even a little. Well, how, how about he? I. I mean, I thought he. If that's anyone else besides Nate Diaz, he finishes that fight in the first round. Yeah. With that, I think he hit him with a huge left, and then followed it up with that kick to the head. Anyone else goes out. From that, I mean, Nate, you could tell, like, Nate, the Diaz brothers obviously don't back down from anything and don't act scared of anything, but you could tell every single weapon that Jorge had in that fight, his hands, his elbows, his knees, his feet, his kicks, Nate was scared of all of it. He was hurt by all of it. Every single shot Jorge landed, you saw a visible reaction out of Nate Diaz. That's unbelievable. I've never, ever seen that. Maybe against the RDA fight and the Rory McDonald fight, which are the two fights that people talk about as like when Nate Diaz got dominated. That's the only time I've seen him react to that, to shots like that. Yeah, I I don't think he was expecting that power. That power and just how vicious he is with it. I mean, whatever happened with Jorge Masvidal, he's coming to switch your fucking lights off now. There's no more of this, you know, point fighting or whatever. Um, I love watching him right now. I think he's a huge star right now, but I think if he keeps this rolling, I mean, he's going to be gigantic. And he, everything he's doing with ESPN too. I mean, he's he's just played his. He was the biggest winner to me of 2019. I think. I agree. He's just yeah. But let me ask you this: like, is there any welterweight on the planet right now that you would favor to beat Jorge Masvidal? No, no. Not one, right? No, I, I just I, I don't know I don't know the um dynamic between him and Colby. I don't know if that's a show or if there's really beef there now. Um so I don't know how that would all play out. If they would fight 
how how that how that would go or if those guys would even want that fight. So I I don't know. That's kind of a weird issue to me, but I favor him against Usman. I think he could go in there and put Usman away. Yeah, I think Colby's interesting because of the pace, right? I, I like Yeah. I've never seen anyone who can fight at that volume for 25 minutes. He fights with like Nick Diaz with better wrestling, with phenomenal wrestling. Yeah. I mean, he puts a fucking pace on you. That's that Robbie Lawler fight was seriously eye opening to me. No one does that to Robbie Lawler. I mean, Robbie Lawler just looked confused. He looked like he couldn't get anything going or even think about getting anything going. Colby was just on him for the whole fight. RDA, so, I thought, was a lot of the same, too. It was yeah. like I was so shocked watching that because I actually thought, like, I think of all of Colby's fights that I've seen, like, Damian Maya probably fought him the best. Um, and so he's coming off that Maya fight, and I'm basically thinking to myself, all right, he beat kind of a past his prime Damian Maya. You know, he outboxed him, but he got hit a lot. And RDA, who's like a, a stellar Muay Thai striker, is going to come in here and just elbow his face off. But, I mean, RDA put it on Lawler, too. And, like, Colby, it was – you know, R- RDA couldn't get off the canvas. Like, maybe it's not the most exciting thing to watch for some people, but I mean, I, the just dragging him with body locks to the canvas and just, you know, nonstop takedown, takedown, punch, 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 takedown, takedown. Like, I mean, it, nobody does that to RDA either, really. Mm-hmm. But he has that, you know, that same style as like Nick Diaz, Nate Diaz. He just peppers you with shots and they're all 40, 50%. You know, but he just wears you down and doesn't give you any space. He's he's a problem. And I really I kind of think people sleep on him because of his whole gimmick and, you know, all the shitty talks. And, you know, I think people just kind of sleep on him and don't realize how good that guy is. So I'm that's why I'm looking forward to this next week. And I think this is going to be I'm really excited for that fight. I know it, it's kind of flying under the radar, too. You don't hear a lot of people talking about it, but that that's a very important fight. And I'm I'm pumped for um, yeah, I think this is a great segue like into into next weekend's card. But I, I'm pumped for that for that pay-per-view because I think you have three three really, really good title fights. And then you have, you know, Jan against Faber. You have, um, you know, Aldo against Marais. Um, I, I, I just think that's a really great card that's flying under the radar. But with Colby, I... I I actually think at this point, like, I know he did the gimmick initially to get noticed. Um, I actually think the gimmick is detracting from him now because I think if it was just Colby Covington and he was the way he is in real life and not the gimmick, I think people would be talking about how good he is at fighting. Well, that that's my thing. If he goes in there and beats Usman and becomes a champion, do you think he drops the gimmick or he double down, doubles down on it? How – I mean – I just I think he's I think he's so deep in it now at this point that he can't really drop the gimmick. I right. I think he's going. Yeah, I, I think his goal is to go to pro wrestling too. Yeah. So I, I think that's why he eventually he wants to transition to pro wrestling. So I think he doubles down on it. But I agree with you. I mean, from everything that I've heard, he's a He's just a really good dude. So I, I don't it'd be interesting if he comes in there and just blows the doors off of Usman and then gets on the mic and just drops a gimmick. 
What do you think of that? I mean, I, I would love if Colby just wins the title and then immediately goes like full baby face. And it's just like, <laughs> you know, gee golly, thanks, Mr. White. You know, I really appreciate you giving me this opportunity. Oh, my God. That would be epic. All right. So UFC 245 going down next week in December 14, T-Mobile Arena, Las Vegas. Um, let's just run through the card. Um, let's get rolling. Let's start with the main event. So Kamara Usman versus Colby Covington for the undisputed Walter Waite title. What are your early thoughts on that one? I got Colby winning by decision. I I think this is a... I think this is a fight where like you really need to understand fighting to enjoy this, to be honest, because I don't think it's going to be, there's not going to be a highlight knockout. There's not going to be a submission. Um, But at the same time, I think Colby is a dynamic enough wrestler that Usman's fighting style is kind of like move in with volume striking, get, a hold of someone in a body lock and just act like a blanket for the rest of the round and like throw these kind of like peppering shots from the top. I just think Colby's too slippery and and too dynamic a wrestler to let that happen. So I kind of see Colby, you know, throwing, throwing a lot of punches. And I just think like, this is a situation where Colby's the better striker. He's certainly the better boxer and neither guy is particularly good at kicking. So so I, I think Camaro's got the advantage in the power department, but I think A, he's not going to be able to take Colby down, and B, I agree with you. I think Colby's just a better striker and is going to be able to outpace him. So I, I was kind of leaning. I don't. I don't. I agree with you. I don't think Colby's going to get the finish, but I think he'll win a decision as well. Yeah, I think the power thing with Usman though, like the guy's only got one knockout, so like he's very powerful right. as a wrestler. But I don't see the same snappiness in his strikes. Punching power. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I don't mean skill for skill. This is pretty close fight, right? I mean, these the guys same on paper. Yeah, pretty much the same fighter. So what do you, you think? It's just going to be Colby's volume that's going to get him past him or what? I think it's a bike race of a fight. Like, I think, you know, whoever... I think they're both going to go in there and say, like, are you willing to compete at my pace? Because that's what Usman did to Woodley. Like, I think Woodley's a dramatically better fighter technique-wise and athleticism-wise than Usman. But Usman just sapped the cardio and made it so Woodley wanted to quit. And It was honestly pretty similar to uh, Lawler and Covington. Yeah, where it was just I mean, like, it was like almost the exact same fight. And like... You're not going to do that. Colby's not going to do that to Kamaru, and Kamaru is not going to do that to Colby because these are the two best cardio guys in the division. And so I just think, like, when you look at it skill for skill, I think I give the slight edge to Colby in the striking. I think the grappling is virtually even. And so I, I think I just give it to Colby in kind of a in a decision that really only appeals to people who enjoy the kind of like nuances of fighting, like the little feints and, you know, watch what Colby does here, watch what Usman does here. But it's not, you know, I don't think this this thing's getting plastered all over Sports Center on Monday morning. Yeah. I was actually surprised they, they put that as a headliner over Max and Volkanovski. Right, which I think is an absolute firefight. Right. Okay, so let's move to there. So we're both on the same page, probably decision Colby Covington. Yep, completely. Okay. 
okay, Max versus Volkanovski. So Max Holloway is pretty much the greatest featherweight of all time. Yep. He had the one fight up at 155 with Poirier, where I thought he was just a little too small, you know, at 155. I think Poirier actually talked about this in interviews afterwards, but when you move up in weight class, you can't just like eat your way to the new weight class, right? Like you have to like manage your body properly to make sure you go up in the proper way. And to me, it just looked like Max just looked like a puffier version of himself. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I didn't think he, he looked great and he just, I don't know. I, I didn't like that fight for him. Um, I definitely didn't like him. The thoughts of him moving up to fight um, Khabib either. You know, I think 145 is his weight class, and I think it's a weight class that he can dominate for the next four or five years. Um, but what I will say is I, I think Volkanovski is going to be one of his toughest tests, definitely one of his def- toughest title defenses he's ever had. I mean, this guy's looked like a fucking barn burner. I'm picking Alexander Volkanovski. I'm I'm coming Are out you? and saying it. I'm picking him. I love Max Holloway. I've loved Max Holloway. I picked Max Holloway against Aldo twice. I picked him against Ortega. Like, you know, I think he's a phenomenal, phenomenal fighter. I think Volkanovski is a more athletic, stronger, more powerful version of what we just saw Frankie Edgar do, which was not a dominant performance by Max at all. Like, that was, I mean, it was a definitive win. Don't get me wrong. But, like, Frankie definitely had his moments. And I think Volkanovski is just a, a more dynamic, more athletic version of that with less tread on the tires. Like, I'm worried about the power. I, I don't think Max can hurt Volkanovski. Well, his route to hurt him is that pace. I mean, his output at featherweight is unbelievable. What he did to Brian Ortega... I mean, that was one of the most incredible performances I saw last year. Just that pace, that combo, the combos he puts together. Um, his movement is is just so smooth. So I, I don't know. I What I worry about Max, Max has kind of been in a lot of wars. Don't you agree? Yeah, and I think uh, I think that Hawaiian-style training is a lot of hard sparring. Like, I think these camps are hard on Max. Um, and I just think, like, you're seeing guys like Izzy, like Dan Hooker, like this, like Oceana, you know, your, your Anzac. Austin. Well, it's all city. It's all city kickboxing, isn't it? Right. That's where um, Volkanovski is fighting out of, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I love Volkanovski. And I think the guy is like really an elite athlete who's now figuring out how to fight. I thought I thought his game plan against Aldo was brilliant. Like nobody beats Aldo in Rio. Like. It doesn't like Max is the only guy to do it. I mean, right? Have you have you seen the pictures of him in his in his uh, rugby days oh when he was two hundred forty five pounds? It's unbelievable. It's a fucking tank. He's a tank. Oh my god! Yeah, I think he's scary. I'm scared of Volkanovski. Like I, I'm, I would be really nervous if I was Max. And I think it's hard to be at the top this long. Like, you know, everybody's planning for you. You got a game plan for a new guy every three months. Right. Well, and Max is a guy, he's been active. He's he's not, you know, a title holder that fights once a year. He's He's been active, and he's been in there with the best of the best. I mean, Jeremy Stevens, Cub Swanson, Showtime Pettis, Jose Aldo twice, Ortega. Conor McGregor. Frankie Edgar. Yeah, McGregor. So, I don't know. I think this might be your fight of the night, for sure. 
I got a diff- I got a different fight of the night for that card, but I uh, okay. I love this. What fight. do you? Um, so what's your prediction? I got Volkanovski by finish in the fourth. Okay, I've got Max by decision. I think Max is just going to be able to in the fourth, fifth rounds just step up that pace, and I'll be interested to see if Volkanovski can hang with it because no one's been able to hang with him at featherweight. Period. That pace he puts on you, he's, he's kind of got that Tony Ferguson style where he's just going to come after you, and he he's hard to put away. It's volume so. striking. He's he got has great variation in his strikes and in his combos where you kind of never know what's coming. So I agree with you there. I just I could see a situation where Volkanovski loses a couple rounds early and and starts to try and figure him out, and then just lands one big shot that kind of. It almost reminds me like an Andy Ruiz, Anthony Joshua situation where it's like he lands that one equilibrium shot and it throws Max off. And then that killer instinct kicks in and he starts just hitting him with left hook, right hook, left hook, right hook. And then it ends eventually. But we really haven't seen anyone be able to put Max away. I mean, he's been hurt several times, right? But he's he's hard to put away at 145 because I think he's big for that weight class. He's strong. That's his natural weight class. And to me, no one puts punches together better than Max Holloway. Max Holloway will hit you with like a 25-piece combo. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. I think it's yeah, a great so fight. That, that's a great fight. I'm really, I think that's going to be your fight of the night. Um, okay, so moving on. So you got, you got uh, Volkanovski by fourth-round finish. I'll go Max Holloway by decision. Um, GDR versus Amanda Nunes. So I think this is a really underrated fight, and I think it's because of the whole GDR Holly Holm thing, where people don't GDR's kind of flown under the radar um, because everyone thought she was scared of Chris Cyborg, which might be true. I don't know. Well, she pretty much said, "There's no way I'm fighting that woman." <laughs> right. So, but I think now that she's in her correct weight class, like she's an extremely technical kickboxer. Right. I think at this point, like, I think she's way better than Holly Holm or Raquel Pennington. Um, and I, I think, you know, there's this is going to be kind of a challenging puzzle for Nunez to figure out, in my opinion, unless, you know, the thing we can't see on TV is power, really. And, I, you know, I think Nunez clearly possesses something in in those hands and in those feet that just puts women on their back. So mm-hmm. that's my question. I, I agree there. I, I think she's just got freakish power for women. I mean, and it's not like, I mean, she's fought Valentina Shevchenko, what, three times, four twice. times. She fought her twice. Yeah. So she's fought her twice. She's fought Cyborg, Holly Holmes. I mean, those are the best strikers to me in MMA and women's MMA. So I don't know. I, I think, Yes, GDR is a great striker, you know, huge background in striking, but I just, I don't think anyone's got an answer for Amanda right now in that power. Um, I'm going to go second round knockout, Amanda. See, I think this is actually really similar to the second Valentina fight for Amanda, where it's a close fight and Amanda ends up winning by decision, but it's a close decision. Um, I think GDR does not get the credit she deserves because of the whole 145 situation, but She's really good, and like what she did to Aspen Ladd, no one's really done uh, to Aspen Ladd. So uh, I, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Nunez, but by close decision. Okay, all right. Moving on. Next, we got Marlon Marias 
taking on featherweight goat, one of them, him and Max Holloway, Jose Aldo. So Jose Aldo making his debut down at 135. Um, what are your thoughts on how he looks? Have you seen the pictures of how he looks this at is, 135? This is my fight of the night, by the way. Is it? This is my fight okay. of the night. Yeah, I, uh, I love this fight. So the the 135 pictures of Jose Aldo are not certainly not the most flattering, but I think it's it's underrated that we've seen guys go down in weight and really perform. So if you think about someone like, you know, Jared Cannonier did it for middleweight coming down from heavyweight, Conor McGregor I think had his best times down at featherweight. Um you know, I think, I think Aldo, once he kind of rehydrates, is is actually going to be okay at thirty five. Well, I think he's doing it the right way. I don't, I don't think like he looks good right now. He looks close right now. He doesn't look like you know he's on death's doorstep right now. Like McGregor in his last couple one forty five fights literally looked like a skeleton. Yeah, but I mean, I think he's just he's done it the right way. He's dieted. He's put a game plan together to go down there and. I'll be interested to see how he looks. I mean, keep in mind, I think Jose Aldo's only, what's he, 32 years old still? It's not like he's obviously had a lot of fights and been around forever. 33 years old. So, I don't know. But I think he's a really good addition to that Bantamweight division. Well, like, when you see, like, guys who are natural 35ers who he fought, like, the Uriah Faber fights come to mind. Um he destroys guys like his power at against 35ers is unbelievable. That was one of the most vicious fights ever. What he did to Uriah Faber's legs. And I just think like, when you think about like what Cejudo was able to do to Marais in the striking realm. Like Jose Aldo is a way better striker than Henry Cejudo. Way better. And, and Cejudo broke Marais in that second round. Right. And so I wonder just like, Jose Aldo's best fights are if he can get you into that third, fourth, and fifth round without you finishing him, which very few guys have have really gotten there um, with with Jose. I think he wrecks people in 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 the deep waters, and so that's what I see. Is like I think it could be a firefight early, but I think eventually he's going to break Marais, which is going to be a huge feather in his cap. Okay, I'm going to go third round knockout. Jose Aldo. I think it's a decision, but I think it's very lopsided yeah. in Aldo's favor. So you think the whole fight's lopsided? So I think there's going to be like maybe a 10-9 round in the first or second that's close. But I think we're going to see multiple 10-8s in third, fourth, and fifth. Yeah. Like, I mean, I think he's doing it the right way. I I, I think he's he's thought this through. And I think he if he can get a win here against Marlon Marais, I think he's going to make a run and make a lot of noise at Bantamweight. So... Yeah, Bantamweight's getting crazy right now. It's wild. It's, yeah. And this next fight is wild, too. So, what are your thoughts on this? Peter Yan taking on uh, legend Uriah Favor. Have you seen this sparring footage that's been floating around social media of Peter Yan just dominating people at Tiger Muay Thai? Just destroying people? I did see that, yeah. I can't remember a guy who... I mean, the last time I feel like there was a guy who was kind of flying under the radar that everyone knew was the future champ and a killer was Khabib. Right. Like, I look at Jan, and I'm just like, who beats this guy? Like, the combos he puts together, the toughness, the power at 35, 
I'm terrified of him against absolutely anyone in that division. Yeah, and how about the balls of Uriah Favor to take that fight? I think he got a lot of pressure from social media and from yeah. from the UFC to take it because like that's not a money fight for Favor. No. No, it's not. So like there were other names out there that he could have taken that I think would have would have been a nice much nicer payday. Like I was sitting there calling for Faber Cruz or Faber Edgar for Frankie going down to 35. That that's what I'd want to see him fight one of those guys. I just think the Peter Yawns, Aljamain Sterling's. I mean, those guys are they're they're heading into their prime, and Uriah Faber's to me on the way out. I think I just, I mean, Uriah Faber's forty years old. Yawn is just such a bulldozer to me. Like I don't, I don't see how Uriah Faber even really competes in this fight. Like I don't see the path to victory at all. Yeah. No, I, I don't either. And I mean, this could be a fight. If he gets dominated, that could be the end for Uriah Favor. I mean, where does he go from there? Which what, I, was fine yeah. with. I was I was fine when he retired in Sacramento after beating Brad Pickett. I, I don't really get this whole comeback. I guess, you know, if you still have the fire in your belly and like he's still a good fighter. I mean, the Ricky Simone win, you can't discount that. Yeah. But well, I thought that was a dangerous fight for him to take. And he put him away in the first round, didn't he? So, yeah. Yeah, I I don't know. I I'm gonna go. Um, you think Peter Yan gets a finish, or you think he'll win a decision? I think first or second round finish for Yan. I I don't I don't think this is really that competitive. Um, I think he'll get a decision win. So I'll go three round decision Peter Yan, but I think it'll be dominant. I think there'll be ten eights in there, and I I just think Uriah Favor is going to be a couple steps behind him the whole time. So, um, all right, moving on. You want to talk about any of these prelim? For 245. Yeah. Um, Jeff Neal versus Mike Perry. That's a fun one. Jeff Neal's a Dallas guy. And then Mike Perry is one of my favorite fighters. Just a nonstop action fighter. Uh, Jeff Neal fights out of Fortis MMA, doesn't he? He does. He does. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think Jeff Neal. I, I mean, Mike Perry is one of these guys, right, where it's like He's a fun fighter. He's like a cowboy Cerrone. Yeah. I mean, he's a guy that's going to, I don't think he'll ever break the top five, but he's a guy that people are going to pay to watch. You can have him headline prelim cards. You know, he's just a fun guy. He's a fan favorite fighter. Jeff Neal for me is like one of these guys that's like, it's like a Luke, right? Where he's so underrated. I mean, he dismantles guys. Like he, I mean, he beat up Bilal Muhammad. He beat up uh, Nico Price. Like, you know, the head kick to Frank Camacho um, on the Woodley Till pay per view. Like, this guy really. Yeah, that was that was Dallas. Yeah, he huh? tears these one. guys up, and like, you know, Mike Perry's tough. He hits hard. He's he's beaten good guys. He's lost to good guys. I think Jeff Neal is like one of the most under the radar people in this sport that could that could really. I think push for a title, honestly. Like I think he's that No, good. I do. I I think he's I think he's one or two fights away from being in that top five and you know, pushing for a title fight. Um for Perry, you think that's a little quick of a return after that that huge nose injury was only in August. This guy's a savage, man. Like <laughs> that's crazy. Uh, he's not like a, trying to apply logic to when and where Mike Perry fights is a losing battle to me. I mean, he, this guy wants to fight. He's going to fight. So 
Right. Well, I'm not a doctor. I'm not going to pretend to be a doctor. And like, if he could get cleared to fight and he wants to fight, like all He's power to, to him, man. Yeah. That, that, this guy is like an old school 1990s bare knuckle in the gi type of fighter. I know. So let him go. He's a savage. They, they don't make him like Mike Perry oh anymore. Oh, my God. All right. So, uh, yeah, huge event going down next weekend. Um, I wanted to – we don't have to spend a lot of time on this, but just briefly talk about what you think early thoughts on the John Jones fight, and then I want to hear what you think about Israel Adesanya, what his next fight's going to be. So John Jones against Dom Reyes, uh, it's – to me, it's the right fight to make. You know, you kind of have these three guys who I think have pretty competitive resumes in Reyes, Corey Anderson, and, and Jan Blahovich. And then those two are going to fight. They just booked that. Corey Anderson versus Jan Blahovich. I think that's the headliner for New Mexico. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm I'm okay with the way that that whole thing shook out just because I think the the upstart, you know, kind of elite athlete, undefeated, um, you know, Dom Reyes is like the more compelling or interesting fight. Um, I, I, I don't, I, I don't see how he beats John Jones. I, I don't see the route to victory, to be honest. Um, you know, I thought Weidman looked really overmatched power wise against Reyes and just looked like he was in the wrong weight class. And then. Well, and a lot of all these middleweights moving up, that's pretty much been the story. I mean, Luke Rockhold, Weidman, then Jacare. Yeah. I don't I, know. I, I think, just... too, like it was kind of discounted that like Tiago Santos is a massive, massive man to be fighting at middleweight. And so, like, I felt like Weidman, like he was in the right weight class at middleweight. Um, Reyes, I. You know, there's time like OSP. I thought he looked great. Um, Weidman, obviously, I thought he looked great. But then you look at like Ozdemir. I think beat him. Like I think Ozdemir won that fight. Yeah, I, I thought Ozdemir won that fight too, and that was controversial. Um, so I, I don't know. I just think at the moment, I think that's probably the best selling light heavyweight fight you can make. Um, with Anthony Smith out, you got Gustafson out. You've got. Dominic Reyes was really out of that group of, you know, Johnny Walker, Corey Anderson, Jan Blahovich. He was the guy that rose to the top, and I think he's deserved it. And, I mean, it's been a while since John John's fought an undefeated fighter. I mean, I think that's a selling point. And then, you know, the just physical attributes. He's, you know, about the same size as John. I think John's probably got him on reach, but, you know, height, athleticism is similar. So... Yeah, I agree. I I don't think I don't think Reyes has any way to beat John Jones. And the other thing that makes me nervous is like Chris Weidman was hitting those outside trips in the clinch and taking him down. I think John Jones is maybe not a better technical wrestler than Chris Weidman, but like because of his size, like I actually think he'll have an easier job taking him down. I could I could see John Jones winning this fight by submission, to be honest. I think we forget how good John is at grappling. Yeah, because his last couple fights, it's like, you know, Tiago Santos, okay, he could have taken him down, finished the fight. The guy's fighting on two fucked up legs. But no, John wants to outstrike him. He's just in this weird space right now where I, I think he just wants to beat these guys at what they're best at. 
I, I think we could see the wrestling back in this fight, though, because I think the guys who are up next for him, potentially, like certainly Corey Anderson is like who I would favor to get the next shot after Reyes is is a wrestler. Right. And so I think John is, is going to say, like, y'all must have forgot, like, I'm a well-rounded MMA fighter. See, I, I think if John gets past Reyes, I think he moves up to heavyweight or takes that big fight with Israel. I I don't think he has interest to keep fighting these guys at light heavyweight. I, I just don't think there's not a big star there. And I mean, John's, you know, he's been around forever. So I think he's going to start going after these big money fights. And I think that's Francis. I think that's DC if he gets past Stipe. And I think that's Israel Adesanya at the moment. So I just don't think he gains a lot from fighting Corey Anderson or Jan Blahovich or Don Reyes. So let's get into the Izzy thing, because I think I don't think Izzy has any actual interest in fighting John Jones at light heavyweight right now. I don't think he does right now, but I think if both of them get wins, I think it's going to the pressure is going to start coming from the UFC. You know, they are originally saying 2021. And that makes sense because Israel, he probably walks at 205, 204. Yeah. Don't you think? And John John walks at 230, 235. So obviously, John is going to be by far the bigger guy, no matter you know if Israel takes that in 2020 or takes it 2021. I don't know. I, I just think if both of them keep putting wins together, that it's, it's going to be here sooner than we think. Yeah, but... I really think I think Izzy has probably four or five title defenses before he thinks about moving up. And I even think 2021 is very soon for that. So I you think so? I don't I I think we are seeing John Jones compete for heavyweight strap before we see Izzy move up and try and take the light heavyweight strap, to be honest. You think you think John goes up to heavyweight this year? Like 2020? Yeah. So I, I think he's going to fight Reyes. I think he's going to fight the winner of Blahovich against Corey Anderson while DC and Stipe works itself out. And I think Francis is going to fight for the heavyweight belt. And whoever wins the fight between what I think will be Stipe versus Francis too, I think John will fight the winner of that. And like I think it'll be huge. I think it could be Madison Square Garden this year in November. But I think we're... I still think John is going to fight Blahovich or Anderson. I think it'll happen. And then he goes up. Because after, I mean, once you get past that, there's really no one else. You've cleaned you out know, the maybe, division at that point. Yeah, and, and maybe Johnny Walker makes a comeback or, you know, Tiago Santos gets back in, Gustafson gets back in, um, Anthony Smith. That That's, I, I think you're probably right. That's probably a good game plan. He fights Dom Reyes, gets that win gets one more win against Corey Anderson or Jan Blahovich, and then you let light heavyweight kind of play itself out and go take those big money fights. Is Johnny Walker that good? Like, are we really still doing this? Because, like, in my... Some of the shit... I, I don't know. I, I think... Um, I don't know. He's lost. I, I don't know He's his, I don't know his answer. Like, regional promotions. He's been knocked out multiple times already in his career. Like, I get he's exciting. He's fun to watch. I like him. I like the whole personality, the whole gimmick, the dancing, the wild style, whatever. But, like, I just don't think that guy's an elite mixed martial artist. 
I really don't. I think he's the guy on any given night could put you away. But with that style, you're more susceptible to get knocked out by the Corey Andersons of the world, who Corey Anderson is not known as a knockout artist. I mean, I don't know. I, I think he just goes in there. He's kind of rolling the dice and he can get caught. But something like that is the only way I see John Jones getting beat. If there's some freakish thing that he doesn't see coming that catches him. I don't see anyone that can beat him any other way. Like you're not going to out wrestle John Jones. You're not going to outstrike him for five rounds. How are you going to beat John Jones at light heavyweight? The only thing I could see, and again, we don't know because you can't measure power on TV, is if someone like Dom Reyes just has freaky power at light heavyweight and catches him with, because like DC in their second fight, in my opinion, before the head kick happened, DC was winning the first two rounds and hitting him with big overhands. And if you get someone who's really powerful, like I think you could catch John with a big overhand and put his lights out with like a one punch knockout. But that's the only way I see him losing. Yeah, but he I mean, to me, he's fought all those guys. He's fought Vitor, Richard Evans, Rampage. I mean, he's fought. He's seen it all. He's fought the best of the best for the last 10 years. And I don't think any of these guys are bringing anything new to the table that he hasn't seen. I, I completely agree with you. Yeah. You know, I'm just trying to make the case for how he could lose. Um, yeah, but I, I would really like to see him move to heavyweight because I think that, I mean, that's just going to give a huge resurgence to heavyweight. I mean, Francis versus John to me is, I mean, that's it. I don't know what to do with that fight. With like that power, that that could be an X factor because if Francis hits anyone. I mean, he's he's just like Wilder. I was talking about Wilder last week, but he's just got that, like I think for Asahavi calls it the kiss of death or the touch of death. He's just got that kind of power. And that's something I could see if John moved up to heavyweight and got caught by one of that, you know, one of those shots from Francis. I mean, that could do it. But outside of that, I, I don't I just don't see him losing. I think he's just better than everyone everywhere. And I just don't see a path for anyone to beat him right now. My thing with John, too, is like if he moves up to heavyweight and beats a Stipe for the belt or beats a Francis for the belt, like picograms aside, you know, all the controversy aside, like how could you deny that that man is the greatest mixed martial artist we've ever seen if he's able to do? Period. And and what does John look like at 235 pounds? Yeah. I mean, what like. Like how how freaky could he be at that weight? I mean, you see his genetics, you see his brothers are NFL superstars. If he what if he fills out into two thirty five and I mean goes on four or five year run where he's just ending everyone in heavyweight? I mean, he's going to be undeniable. I think at the moment, I mean, he's already the greatest fighter of all time. I would agree. But I think these next couple of years, if he can really land some of these gigantic mega fights. Um, you know, he'll c- continue to solidify that. So, yeah, that, that's kind of, I think we're kind of on the same page for John Jones. What do you think for Israel Adesanya at middleweight? So I think the Romero fight ends up being next because I think Izzy wants it. Yo, Mer- Romero wants it. I think it's way more marketable than the Palo Costa fight, which I think Costa's out for a little bit anyway with this biceps in- in- injury. Um so I think he ends up taking it. I think it's probably in the United States because I think they're really they know what they have with Israel now um, stateside. And so I think they can they can really boost that up. Um, 
And I just think this guy has kind of like that. I mean, I hate to make the comparison because I think it's so lazy, but the Anderson Silva, like circa 2008, 2009 about him, where it's kind of like this untouchable style where guys don't really like, I mean, Gaslam did okay, but like by the end of that fight, like Gaslam nearly got finished. Um, I, I just think he's kind of untouchable right now with how good his striking is, like how next level it is for that division. But he's also, he's the full package. I mean, he's Anderson Silva mixed with Conor McGregor mixed with Ronda Rousey. Yeah. I mean, I think he's going to, he's going to be the biggest superstar in the sport over the next four or five years. And I could see him selling out stadiums in Africa and all over the world. I think he's going to be a global superstar. And I think you're right. I think he's going into, you know, kind of that run that Anderson Silva had when he came to the UFC where it's, you know, however many years of just dominance. And I don't think anyone's going to be able to touch him. And I really hope that builds to a John Jones fight at light heavyweight. I, I, I just think that would be kind of the conclusion, you know, of a four to five fight, you know, defending his title at middleweight. He goes up to fight John Jones. I think that's going to be the biggest fight the UFC can make period in the next couple of years. Yeah. I see it going. Like, I think he's going to fight Romero next. After that, I think he fights Costa. I think he's going to get through. I, I, I think they're going to make uh, Darren Till versus Costa. I think they're going to make Darren Till against um, Kelvin Gastelum 2 before that happens. Really? I do. I, I think I, I, I think they do Rob Whitaker versus Jared Cannonier. Yep, I agree. And then, and then I think they do Till versus Costa. And then that all kind of sorts itself out. And then uh, Yoel Izzy. That's kind of the best matchups I see right now. I think Darren Till versus Kelvin Gastelum too is just a that's a hard sell. I mean, why would Darren Till take that fight? So I think so. First of all, I think the UFC loves Eric Albarracine, and so I think they're going to let Costa basically sit out and get the title shot. I think they're going to have Till fight someone to headline London. Who's not the biggest name? I wanted him versus Rob Whitaker. I think I, that's, I don't understand why they yeah. didn't book that. Like I, I, I don't understand the Jared Cannonier has put on the best performance we've seen at middleweight in a very long time, but he's not marketable at all. You can't headline shows with him, and like Rob Whitaker wants the London fight against Till. It's super marketable. You put Till on a rocket ship at that point. Like, and if Rob Whitaker wins, he's right back in the saddle and he's considered like a dangerous middleweight again. Yeah. If he goes in there and starches Darren Till, I mean, he's next in line for that rematch. So, yeah, that that's what I wanted to see. I talked about that last week. But that, for me, at middleweight, that's the best fight you can make right now besides Israel and Yoel Romero. Um, I think that's just a gigantic Fight and you could sell out a giant stadium in in London. I mean, that that would be huge. But here's the thing about Till Gaslam too, and why I think it's going to happen. I think Kelvin is mad about the whole how that whole fight went down. I think Till will fight anyone anywhere. It's kind of his deal. Like he's not the most strategic with who he fights in his career. I think his confidence is back. I think it was kind of shook after those two losses. And then you saw after, you know, immediately after the Kelvin Gastelum fight, he seemed back to his old ways. 
And I think, like, you got to remember, Kelvin is an Ali Abdelaziz client. And I think I think Ali is going to get in the ear of, of Sean Shelby and Mick Maynard and say, look, like, my guy got a raw deal in Madison Square Garden. Give us a, you know, a fight night in Phoenix or somewhere with, like, a big Hispanic population or send us over to the UK. But, like, we want the till fight back. And I think the UFC has shown, like, if you look at what happened with like a Cody Garbrandt, I think uh, they've shown that they will kowtow to Abdelaziz if he asks enough times for something. Right. Well, that's why I think he's probably one of the best managers right now in the game. He can just get shit done. Just flat out get shit done. I think he has naked pictures of Dana White somewhere because that's yeah, the explanation. Something weird's going on. All right. Well, that's middleweight. Um, let's see. Talk real quick about the Frankie Edgar situation. I, I see no reason for him to step in on short notice against Korean Zombie at 145. I mean, the only reason is because money talks, right? Like, I really hope he's getting paid for this because career-wise, this makes zero sense. Um, you know, you have a chance for a top-five matchup at bantamweight in a division where I think he could actually make a run for the title still. And... You're taking a, a fight against a guy who, number one, it's in his hometown, and Korean zombies look like an absolute killer for two fights now. And then you're never getting that featherweight title shot against anyone. Like, I, I don't see the UFC giving him— Well, especially not Max. I mean, there's no way they could sell that against Max again. But if Volkanovski wins and Frankie Edgar beats Korean zombie in Korea— is Edgar getting another featherweight title shot? It's possible. I I I really don't think so. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you. I think his best path to another title shot is at 135. And for me, this is I mean, the bottom line, he's gonna take damage against Korean zombie. It's not like he's gonna go into Korea in his backyard and get out of there with a clean victory. Anyone Korean zombie fights, he's gonna damage you. And then to just think that you're going to turn around a month later and fight one of the rising stars at 135 is just crazy to me. And by the way, like Corey Sanhagen is not a slouch. This guy, like this guy is an absolute stud. I mean, like his, it reminds me of Dom Cruz, honestly, like his herky jerky movement. He's like really hard to hit. I mean, Lineker got visibly frustrated in their fight. Well, and his size, his for how big he is, I think he's six foot, or he's a taller guy at at yeah. uh, one thirty five. So, yeah, I, I think he's going to be really, really dangerous. And I just think the idea. I hope Frankie's getting paid is the bottom line. I mean, the idea that he's going to turn around a month later and fight Corey Sanhagen is just crazy. But if somehow he's able to pull both of those off, I mean, what does that say for a 37, 38 year old Frankie Edgar? That's got to be one of the most, that would be probably one of the most unbelievable two fight skids. I mean, ever to, to pull that off. That's crazy. I mean, he's to me, he's a first ballot hall of famer in this sport. I, I think the guy is a legend. He, he did everything the right way throughout his career. Um, he left a real legacy and, you know, I just, I hope, I really sincerely hope we don't have to see Frankie like basically get pushed out of this sport the way we've seen like Henan Brow and BJ Penn go down because. And I, I don't think he'll go down like that. You know, I, I think he's smart enough to realize that when it's done, it's done and he'll get out of there. 
that's the worst thing to see is people go out like that. Um, you know, legends go out on a five, six, seven fight losing streak. I think Hannon Burrell just got cut from the UFC yesterday. Yeah, I saw that. I, I think it was three fights too late. Yeah, no, I agree. All right. Um, real quick, let's talk about the headliner at UFC DC going down this weekend and then we'll get out of here. Sure. Cool. Okay, cool. Um, so we've got Alistair Overing taking on this Rosenstruck guy. This guy, to me, has just got freaky power. He's got kind of Francis Ngannou power. And I think it's a he's a relative unknown, you know, fighting a legend and Alistair Overeem that's been around, done it all. Um, this is a huge, huge opportunity for Rosenstruck. I think if he comes in there and can get a KO against Overeem, I think he's in the top five at heavyweight or right around it. So... That, that's kind of the story to me of this fight. And what do you think? So Rosenstruck is really interesting to me because the first time I ever saw him fight was on Ryzen 10 um, back in, in 2018. Um, and he was like, a, you know, four and um, you know, African guy who fought like another no name Russian um, and won a split decision over in Japan. And then I saw him pop up again in the UFC, like, you know, a year later, basically, and he's just starching guys, um, which kind of remi- like makes me think of, like you said, I mean, the obvious comparison is like a Francis, but also like a Derek Lewis, where it's like this guy's unbelievable power and strength, and it's just kind of teaching him to fight. Um, the the thing about Overeem that I wonder is like, so Overeem's two and two in his last four, you know. Two of those were the Francis knockout and then Curtis Blades just rearranging his face on the ground. But then he came in and he, he finished uh, Pavlovich and Olenek. And Pavlovich was an example, like, there's levels to this game, and Alistair Overeem just picked that guy apart. And then Olenek is not a very good striker, and Alistair was able to pick him apart again on the feet. And, and I wonder if he can do that to Rosenstruck. Because I, I do think just, you know, Alistair Overeem, 60 fights into his MMA career, your chin. And your he's chin ta- he's taking same. a lot of damage. I mean, he's been knocked out, uh, got to be over 10 to 15 times, I right. would say. So I think eventually that catches up to you, especially, you know, heavyweight's a, a division you can fight, you know, into your late 30s, early 40s. But if you're what worries me is he's fighting this guy with crazy power and he's taken a lot of damage in his career. So it could be the case of, you know, he hits him with one of those bombs and puts him down. It could be a one one shot knockout for this Rosenstruck guy. And if he's able to do that, I think the last guy, the last guy to knock out um, Arlovsky and then over him back to back was Francis. So I think he'd be, you know, kind of on that path of, you know, getting a top top five opponent at heavyweight. And then I think you're kind of thrown to the fire. Like Francis was you, you, you know, if you don't have a full game, you may get exposed and that may be what's what happens with them. But um, I'm going to roll with, I think this Rosenstruck guy is going to get a KO win against Overeem. I'm with you. I'm, I'm going to take yeah. first round KO for, for Rosenstruck. But I think the, uh, I think we'll know within the first couple minutes of the fight, but I think if Overeem can fight this guy on the outside, like he's the taller man, he's the more technical kickboxer. Um, and I can, I can see a way where Overeem's kind of 
you know, trading, you know, three, four, five shots for one from Rosenstruck and is able to kind of pepper him over the course of three rounds or, or five rounds here. But uh, I, I'm taking Rosenstruck. I, I, I think that the end is near for Alistair over him. Yeah, I do too. I mean, like I said, he's been fighting, what, since the late 90s? At high, high levels, through pride. I mean, he's fought everywhere. Dream heavyweight uh, champ. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. He fought Be- Strike Force. He fought Bellator too in Strike Force. Did he fight Bellator or just Strike Force? Just Strike Force, because I think he he's been with the UFC since they bought Strike Force. And then obviously the famous one is he came in and you know uh, re- like destroyed Brock Lesnar's liver. So right. Yeah. No, but I mean, regardless, Overeem's a legend. He'll go down as a legend, but Hall of Famer. Yeah, I'm. I just worry about his chin after all these battles, and then this guy's just got freakish power. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go uh, knock out Rosenstruck. Um, anything else you want to cover? One thing I want to mention under the radar: uh, KSW fifty one. Uh, same day as, as UFC, uh, Mamed Kaladov, who's, I think, one of the best uh, fighters to never fight in the UFC, is uh, challenging for the light heavyweight title against Scott Askham. And then the other one is under-the-radar fight for UFC DC, uh, Song Yudong, who's a 22-year-old Chinese prospect out of Team Alpha Male, undefeated in the UFC. He's taken on Geraldo de Freitas Jr., um, and that should be uh, an interesting coming out party. I think there's a lot of talent coming out of China right now, and uh, Yadong could be just the next example of that. No, I agree. But yeah, if you would, please see the show notes. There's all the links to my website, um, subscription to the shows on all major podcast platforms. All righty. Well, that was fun. For sure. We need to do that. We need to do that once a month. All right. Sounds good, Park. Okay, brother, I appreciate it. We'll catch you on the next one. Sounds good, man. Thanks for listening to Parker's MMA Show. Take a moment to rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and visit ParkerKeen'sMMAShow.Podbean.com for additional information on Parker and to stay up to date on the latest drama in the fight world. For more information and important links about today's episode, check out the show notes.